When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. world. Love don't have any place. We're living in times when men commit crimes and crime don't have a face. We live in a political world, icicles hanging down, wedding bells ring and angels sing and clouds cover up the ground. We live in a political world, wisdom is thrown into jail, it rots in a cell, is misguided as hell, leaving no one to pick up a trail. This is Pod Dylan, the show that celebrates the work of Bob Dylan, one song at a time, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host of Free Will and Rob Kelly. And joining us this week is my pal, Lee Asaf. Hi, Lee. Hi, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm happy to have you here. We've been talking on Twitter for a while, back and forth about uh, being on you being on Pod Dylan, and so I'm finally glad to to have you on the show. Of course, we're here to talk about political world, which was the uh, you know, the opening refrain here of the of the show, which was the opening track from Bob's 1989 album Oh Mercy, the first one of two so far to be produced by Daniel Lenoir. Uh, before we get to this particular song, though, Lee, like, what's your fandom with Bob Dylan? How did you become a fan of the music? I, I really got into it late in the game, for the most part. When I was younger, I was just one of those guys that was clueless, really, about what Dylan meant and what what Dylan was. I was one of those guys that kind of like he's Bob Dylan, and he kind of, you know, he sounded kind of like that, and it's like whatever. But then I I was a fan of pretty much everybody else in the Traveling Wilburys. And ah. so, really, that was my real opening of for Dylan. Um, of course, I liked everybody else more than anybody for the most part. But then time went by, and uh, I went and saw Watchmen, Zack Snyder's Watchmen. And right there at the very beginning, in the opening credits, they used the times they are changing to absolutely perfect effect. Yes, but it, that is a brilliant opening sequence. It really is. It really it, it quantifies everything right there and there. You know, it just it gets the Alan Moore in and it gets the, the Bob Dylan in. And I'd already liked that song years before because it just makes a makes a point. You know, it hits you right in the gut and it makes its point. And because of that, I said, you know what, I'll give Dylan a fair shot. I'll try this out. And I just started buying up, especially the early stuff, because that's more where I lean towards. I tend to go for the not so much the folk stuff, but more the bringing it all back home, um, you know, Highway 51, you know, the earlier stuff. But still, at the same time, um, uh, Blood of the Tracks and that kind of stuff. And so from there, I just got addicted now, to the point where my wife was like, I'm sick of you listening to Bob Dylan. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not her cup of tea. Yeah, she's not all like down on her or anything, but she's like, all right, Dylan's your thing. So, But from there on, it's just kind of built up, and we lucked up and caught him in concert um, when he was touring with Bob uh, – I wouldn't know, with uh, – John Mellencamp and uh, Willie Nelson when they were doing the tour. Oh, the ballpark tour. It was yeah. great. It was so awesome. It was really cool. So, so I just sort of that's really where it builds from. I got to meet him, you know, Zack Snyder's hit or miss when it comes to his movies, but I'll give him credit. He, he really got me into Dylan. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Well, good for you, Zack Snyder. Thanks, everybody, for, <laughs> <laughs> for, for doing that. Uh, yeah, no, I wish I had a chance to see that ballpark tour because that sounded really interesting of the – the, those three guys together. And it's funny you mentioned John Mellencamp, of course, because there's a connection uh, in this very song to John Mellencamp, but we'll get to that uh, momentarily. Now, normally the way I do this, you know, the show is I sort of sprinkle out the lyrics throughout um, the, the episode. But 
this song exists in two very distinct forms. There is the version on the album, and then there is an alternate take, which has yet to really surface officially. Uh, it's not on the Telltale Signs bootleg series compilation, which is strange because a lot of other Oh Mercy stuff made it on there. But this alternate version is not. And the alternate version has something like eight more verses. Yes, I <laughs> so <know. laughs> Bob was very verbose for this song. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go through the lyrics of the official version, and then we can get to the alternate ones because it's just like, there's a lot to get. To. Yeah. So the song picks up uh, again the, the the released version, and I love the way it fades in with all the instruments coming too. in one at a time. It's Isn't got that this very, yeah, it's a great way to sort of announce the album. I mean, of course, Dylan had just been coming off a, a string of pretty unsuccessful albums. I, mm. I would argue creatively and certainly financially, right. uh, Empire Burlesque and Down on the Groove and Knocked Out Loaded, and so he had just signed a new contract with Columbia Records. And he knew he had to make an, an impact. You know, he couldn't just kind of crank out another album full of stuff that he had lying around. He had to really put some effort into it. And post Wilburys, there we go again with the Wilburys. Exactly. Um, he really was sort of reinvigorated by uh, being a songwriter. In fact, there's that famous quote from George Harrison where he said, if the Wilburys did nothing else but to get Bob Dylan writing songs again, then it was all worth it. Exactly. Amazing yeah. tribute. So he really put him put his nose to the grindstone to, to write these new songs so again the opening song is political world and it continues on with we live in a political world where mercy walks the plank life is in mirrors death disappears up the steps into the nearest bank we live in a political world where courage is a thing of the past houses are haunted children aren't wanted the next day could be your last we live in a political world the one we can see and feel but there's no one to check it's all a stacked deck we all know for sure that it's real we live in a political world in the cities of lonesome fear. Little by little, you turn to the middle, but you're never sure what you hear. Uh, we live in a political world where peace is not welcome at all. It's turned away from the door to wander some more or put up against the wall. We live in a political world turning into thrashing about. As soon as you're awake, you're trained to take what looks like the easy way out. And then it ends with, we live in a political world. Everything is hers or his. Climb into the frame and shout God's name, but you're never even sure what it is. I love that ending. That's the best. Yeah. It just, yeah. Um, yeah. For a song called Political World, uh, it's it's sort of funny in that it's political in a macro sense. Obviously, he's not talking about any politicians of the right. time or anything, any even real issues of the time. It's really more about the sort of... The corruption of discourse, the corruption mm -hmm. of the world. I mean, to me, like the phrase, the political phrase of uh, plausible deniability. Right. Like that to me is like that's what this song is about. This kind of oily, weaselly way of getting out of responsibility for what you're doing and how um, the, the, the world's authority is stacked against you yep. at every turn. And that's something that Dylan has been concerned with ever since he was a young man. Uh, and the idea the, the, the idea of how money corrupts and when money doesn't talk, it swears. You're talking about the steps into the nearest bank here. Mm -hmm. It's, it's an incredibly uh, catchy song considering how dark and gloomy it is. Uh, it's kind of remarkable, really. I love the. I mean, because you're right, because just the way that the, the, other, the other musicians, it's a musical Dynamo. It's just amazing. Those guys are just charging ahead through the song, a song which is basically kind of a repeating motif. You know, it's just, you know, just, you know, it keeps coming back. We live in a political world. We live in a political world. And it just keeps sort of charging forward. And it is. And, and I, I feel like it's it's as relevant now as it was then, because you're right. It's not pointing out a specific political notion 
or or as you say, or a political individual or anything, but it's just, it's the corruption of the system. And the system was corrupt back then when he wrote it and recorded it. The system was corrupt. I, that's just my personal opinion. The system's still pretty corrupt and you know, set against everybody now. You know, so it seems just as relevant. Yeah, I mean, Dylan never again. It's ever since he was a young man was always very distrustful of power structures, mm-hmm. uh, whether they be political or social or even personal. Right. Uh, he's always been very aware of that and very distrustful of that. It almost has a kind of knee jerk reaction to just do the opposite. And you know, I mean, he's had to deal with that for a long time. He didn't. The minute that the, I mean, of course, he came up through the folk process and came mm-hmm. up as as a big avatar of of the political left in the '60s. But the minute that they tried to claim him yep. and and say you know you're one of us he bristled at that and of course there's a thousand positively fourth street i mean his <laughs> sneering put down of these people he really wanted to be an individual and yeah. and and he st- and you know he outlived the revolution i saw that once somebody referred to him as a this is what it looks like when you outlive the revolution that you started well, i like that and you know, yeah i mean it's like he he just says keep going on and he's still railing against these things and so the the song's swampy atmosphere again, produ- helpfully you know, brought brought about by Daniel Lenoir, uh, and again the way the musicians played, it has this sort of sinister yeah. feel to it. It's just it's a creepy dark song, even though it's kind of like a nice boogie too. You're right because you're right. It's extremely catchy. You're right. That's a good way to put it. Is it is it's a boogie, but it is it's dark. You know, it really is. It's not it's not unhappy but it's it's definitely you know it's 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 almost you know it's a you know darkness at the edge of town kind of feel to it. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, wisdom is thrown into jail, rots in his cell, misguided as hell, leaving no one to pick up the trail. I mean, that's that's a that's a political or social system where knowledge is being punished. Mm-hmm. It's being, you know, we don't want to hear that, and so it's thrown in and it's locked up and and forever, never to be seen again. The the line about uh, life is in mirrors, death is appears up the steps into the nearest bank. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, I think pretty much everybody, other than the super mega rich, can can think of banks as uh, kind of our number one enemy in a lot of ways uh-huh. here he's suggesting right here it's like the bad things are disappearing into the bank well, like yeah pretty much bob that's about right i love the uh, the line about as soon as you're awake you're trained to take what looks like the easy way out because you are because that's the way the system sets it it seems like you know you just you know you take what you can get and just run and i yeah. so oh, the, the internal rhyme schemes of this are amazing <laughs> the, I mean, God, the, they the are turn of phrase that he comes up with and and a lot of um, a lot of the songs on Oh Mercy, I find, are they do kind of have a, a very uh, I don't want to say thin, mm-hmm. but have a very singular motif, and then he just follows them. And it, and it, and in some ways, it can be um, like everything is broken is yeah. kind of similar in that it's everything is broken, and then here's these examples. And I think the only criticism I have of a political world is that I feel like it doesn't build, mm-hmm. in that it just sort of it. The verses, I think, are sort of interchangeable. You could put any of them in any of the slots. True. And and the the song would still work the same. It doesn't build to any sort of crescendo. It's just kind of this list of nefarious things going on. It's still very entertaining, but it's the the song could go on, and and we'll get into the alternative version because the other version is a lot longer. Right. But it, it does have that, and and that's again that's clearly what Dylan was going for. But that's that would be the only minor criticism I have is that it just it's. It's sort of it's like time is a flat circle here in this in this song. It does it. It starts where it ends and vice versa, kind of thing. It kind of reminds me of the, of the early of the early acoustic guitar and harmonica stuff, the poetry stuff, where it's like it's the same way where it doesn't necessarily build. It just kind of loops through. 
he makes his point. He makes his point. He makes his point and then he gets to the end of it. And that's it. And it kind of feels that same way to it, which I like. Again, I like that early stuff. I, I really like the electric stuff. You know, I, I build mm-hmm. more into it. And I, I'm sorry I'm segueing on this. My favorite probably is Bring It All Back Home, where you get kind mm-hmm. of the best of both worlds. You get a little bit of acoustic, you get a little bit of electric you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. And so I kind of like that. About That's part of part of why I think I like this song so much is it reminds me of that sort of freeform poetry kind of thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Another uh, motif I think that that is is in this song and is inherent in a lot of his other songs is the idea of someone sort of stranded. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got. I mean, because he, again, there's the lines about little by little you turn to the middle, but you're never sure what you hear or right. why you're here or what you hear. Mm-hmm. The idea of it, it's, it reminds me of a kind of Mr. Jones. You know, it's or yep. the, the person in Desolation Row. It's somebody in the middle of this crazy thing, and they're not sure what's happening around them. And Dylan is your narrator, mm-hmm. just sort of whispering in your ear, trying to point out that you're sort of at sea. You know, you're kind of lost as to what's going on. And as you talk about your you, the line you just pointed out about your train to take what looks like the easy way out. It's like, yeah, you're you're thrust into this situation, and you're not prepared for it. And then you're just kind of like, let me get out of here. And then you take the easiest deal that's available to you because you just want to get out of the situation, which is, of course, exactly what, quote unquote, they want from you. They don't want you to fight. They don't want you to rebel. They want you to just take the deal and get out because that way they continue doing what they're doing, whatever that thing is. And that is that's a lot of that goes on in the song. They don't want the they don't want you to be the individual. And they, they just yeah. want just just be one of the sheep and just go along with the process and kind of thing. And sometimes you're in that situation where you just about you kind of have to be you know, just to get out of it. So I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. And there's a lot of authoritarian images in here. I mean, again, mm-hmm. we talked about the knowledge being locked up, thrown away. But then the, the, the thing about peace is not welcome at all. It's turned away from the door to wander some more or put up against the wall. I know. I mean, that's an authoritarian image of people being, being put up against the wall and shot for their beliefs or whatever. So. Exactly. You believe in peace? <laughs> we don't need you anymore. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then again, it ends with the climbing to the frame and shout God's name, but you're not even sure what it is. Again, that's someone you're totally lost at sea. You, you, you have a higher power you're looking to, but you don't even know how to call for them because you don't know what the name is. It's pretty, pretty bleak stuff. It is pretty bleak stuff. But to, to, like you, I keep, you're right. I keep going about that to be so catchy. You know, it's it's deep and it's bleak, which I'm a sucker for anyway. But <laughs> <laughs> I like that good stuff. Uh, but yeah, yeah, it's just. Yeah, I, I'm, I totally agree. <laughs> and it, and I mean, again, it's it's an unlikely song to be released as a single. Yeah. And yet it was. It was released as the first single. There is a video uh, for this for this song. It's directed by John Mellencamp. Wow. Uh, oddly enough, uh, it was shot. I think at the. Um, the, uh, the I think the University of Indiana I think I believe because I, I'm, I may be getting the chronology of this a little a little wrong uh-huh. but this is this is what I remembered is that Dylan had to record a cover of People Get Ready the famous really? soul, soul song and he did it for the soundtrack to the 1989 film Flashback which starred Dennis Hopper who he was friends with Bob and Dennis Hopper were oh, friends wow. And 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 Kiefer Sutherland, that's that movie. Yeah. And he recorded it at John Mellencamp's studio. Uh, John Mellencamp had a recording studio in in Indiana, I believe, and that's where he recorded it. And I think while they were there, it was like, well, we we need to shoot this video. And I guess Mellencamp was a maybe a, a, a direct, dabbled in directing. I mm-hmm. have no idea, but maybe. he directed the video. And so the video. Uh, it's quite remarkable because it's Bob Dylan on stage with just one musician playing, sitting, sitting down, playing behind him. And 
you know, look, you know, your mileage may vary, but to me, the minute I saw this video of all these masters of war at a party uh, and the, the music is Bob Dylan, I mean, I'm like, okay, this is, you know, Dylan's at like a GOP fundraiser here. <laughs> he's playing, he's playing this thing. And you've got these guys in suits that look like uh, sort of tin pot generals and you've got women, beautiful women, and they're drinking and they're dancing. And, you know, it's like these are, these are, it, it's dark and gloomy and yet, you know, here's the entertainment. I mean, this is here's, here. Here's the guy on stage pointing out how bad these people are, and that they're dancing to this music. You know, they're just, just like, "Oh, this is great." Oblivious to the oblivious to the content. Yeah, it's it's a really remarkable video. I mean, John Mellencamp did a great job. I think it's, it's, Dylan was never interested in um, lip syncing very much, so he barely makes the effort to lip sync to the song. But but Mellencamp is able to cover it up enough that you sort of you get a buy with it. But it's it's a really good video. I mean, it's a really powerful piece, and I remember seeing it of all places on MTV back oh when God. MTV used to play music videos. Yeah. Hard to believe everybody. Many and moons the thing ago. I, yeah, many moons ago. And the thing I remember distinctly was it was introduced by Martha Quinn. <laughs> Uh, who was, you know, one of the original VJs. Yeah. And Martha Quinn uh, was, is a big Bob Dylan fan. And I remembered she quoted the line about um, before the video played, and she went on and on about, like, how great Bob Dylan is. And I think she probably maybe felt like she was introducing a new generation right. to this guy. And she, I remember her quoting the line where she said, we live in a political world under the microscope. You could travel anywhere and hang yourself there. You've always got more than enough rope. She just loved that phrase. And I remember uh-huh. her saying it on the air. Uh-huh. So it was just so, and you could see, like, she looked so happy to be presenting this. And then I read in a book, uh, one of Clinton Halen's books, where he talked about that backstage at some concert, Martha Quinn got to interview Bob Dylan, and Dylan said, you asked some really good questions. Oh, that made So her they day. had a little love fest, which is great. That had to oh, be great man. for her to have him say that. I mean, that's, that's terrific. Well, shoot, if, if Bob Dylan, if I, if I interviewed Bob Dylan and he gave me gave me props, I'd just, that'd be the, that oh, would make my God. life. Good grit to God. Right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Here, could, could you say that into the recorder? <laughs> say it again. I really want to make sure I heard that. So, yeah, um, Dylan himself uh, actually described this song as a catalog of troubles mm-hmm. almost an update of with god on our side which is kind of interesting you don't hear mm-hmm. dylan talking about his own songs uh, very much at all uh live wise it's only been played 28 times hmm. uh it debuted at a concert he did um well he, he debuted it in 1990 so it was right after the album came out mm-hmm. he played it through february of 1991 and then never again so uh it Weird. Did, didn't yeah it didn't live very long as a live act the, the opening gig was at a, a place called Toad's Place, which was a, a, um, a bar in Connecticut, I believe. And this, this Toad's Place concert is, is famous in, in Dylan lore in that it was four hours long. Whoa. And it was, only, and it was basically like a rehearsal. For this tour that he was about to go on, and he actually took requests. People, people yelled songs out, and he oh played them. God. And he played, I think, a bunch of songs from Oh Mercy. I think he played one song. I think it was most of the time he played it twice, mm-hmm. and was really. And so they said, as one of people who were there, it was one of the most remarkable gigs ever because it was so intimate to be able to sit there. Imagine being able to yell out, you know, "I shall be released," and Bob's like, oh, "I'll play that for you." Or the uh, girl from the North Country. They were just, yeah, yeah, yeah just, yeah, sure, I'll play it. 
Yeah, that's that's just amazing the thing. And so yeah, it didn't it didn't live long as a live artifact. And I've never actually heard any live versions. There is one on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have yet to listen to it, but uh, it's not a song that he obviously uh, felt the need to return to very much. Now I do need to mention this alternate version. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a bootleg that has an alternate take on it, and it has. Uh, I didn't know what I was getting when I bought the bootleg. I was like, oh, there's an alternate version of Political World? Cool. Let me listen to this. Uh-huh. And it is extensively different. Uh, now, uh, you, I've se- I sent it to you. What did you think of this alternate version? <laughs> the thing that caught me more than anything past the lyrics was the, just the general pacing of the song. It just has this slightly wound backwards kind of feel to it where it doesn't seem like it charges as hard as the original LP version. Um, and you're right. And Whereas... I totally agree with what you said earlier about where you could basically take each of the, each of these little verses, these sections, and you could just spin them in different you know, positions and it would work either way. Whereas those all felt a little bit, I don't know, they felt, they felt strangely out of place to me by comparison to the LP version, which of course is just the one I'm just so used to. Um, right. It still sounded great. I mean, it's still Bob, <laughs> you know, so I mean, it's still, it's still awesome, but yeah, I, I found it to be just a little bit different. Cause like I said, it just felt, it didn't feel like it moved in the same fashion as, as the, the LP version. Yeah, it is a little slower. I'll, I'll play a little section from it. And so I do want to get into these alternate verses because, I mean, it's, mm-hmm. I mean it's, Bob was very verbose on yeah. this album. He had a lot to say and a lot to edit it out. So like the original verse, like the song on the album, all these alternate verses, it, it, it opens the same way in that every verse starts with we live in a political world. Mm-hmm. So these alternate lines, you've got, truth is the outlaw of life. It's hunted and slain in the snow and the rain or put under the doctor's knife. Uh, again, another violent image, another author- another authoritarian image, uh-huh. you know, of somebody being forced to being, uh, being committed to surgery mm-hmm. uh, that they're not asking for. I mean, it's got a little bit of a lobotomy feel to it. Mm-hmm. So there's that. So then we live in a political world where the word is a broken down lie. They peddle your dreams. Nothing's what it seems. Nothing more than hello and goodbye. Again, great turn of phrase there. I know. Um, it's really catchy. Uh, we live in a political world. Conscience don't have a clue. Climb out of your bed. Jump out of your head. You're not even sure that it's you, which seems like a, an alternate version of the one that we hear in the other song of the idea of you're not sure of your own identity. Right. So we have uh, we live in a political world. That's what it's all about. But then it moves into the verse that we know, which is as soon as you're awake, you're trained to take what looks like the easy way out. So in the final version, he sings turning and a thrashing about. But in this alternate, it's that's what it's all about. So, you know, I'd say they're equal about the same, I would I would argue. It is. But I said that about I like that. Just it's weird hearing Bob saying that thrashing about. Yeah, you know, just I kind of mm-hmm. like that on the original one. It's it's nitpicky. But uh, but yeah, but you're right. It still works. It works in the same fashion. Yeah. Uh, so we have living in a, we live in a political world. Everything's a little bit strange. Prayers are prayed, orders obeyed, and everything is subject to change. I love that. I get yeah. I love the way Dylan uses aphorisms uh, in his songs, like subject to change. That's a phrase. That's a right. phrase in the said things are subject to change. And then of course when you put it in a political context, it gives it a much darker cast because it's the idea of beliefs are subject to change. And we see a lot of that. We see a lot of people whose beliefs change depending on whether they're in power or not. So that's mm-hmm. – I, I really like that a lot. Uh, we live in a political world. Senseless men set the pace. You can force yourself in with a smile and a grin. 
And then I will admit, the final line, I can't tell what he's saying. It sounds like he's like, but you better test something. I heard the ace rhyme, but I can't figure it out. I listened to it a thousand times, and I cannot figure out what that line is. <laughs> but I like the idea of you can, force yourself, you can force yourself in with a smile and a grin. I love that. I do too. You know, that's that, a great with if you if you if you can glad hand enough people, you can get anywhere. That oh God, I'm so happy to hear you just say the word glad hand. I, I constantly <laughs> want to use that term in my daily you know life all the time. But I know most of the people I'm around are like, huh? <laughs> they're not they're not, they're not they're just not going to quite get it. But yeah, exactly. Glad handing dandies. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, that's yeah, I love that. I love mm. that. And then the final verse. Uh, and this this verse is the hill I will die on because we, we live in a political world, a world of wine, women, and song. You can make it through without the first two. Without the third, you wouldn't last long. Oh, man. All right. Damn it, Bob. That belonged in the song. Yeah. And, you know, from have you read um, Dylan's Chronicles book? I have. It's been a little while, so I'm a little rusty on it, but I have. Okay. Now, for anyone who's read it, we, you know that a large section of it is devoted to Bob talking about working on the Oh Mercy album exactly. with Lanois, mm-hmm. and they had a pretty contentious relationship, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. I would I would guess trying to produce Bob Dylan is a is a, a daunting task. It's got to be tricky. And and Lanois, you know, Lanois pushed as hard as he could to do certain things, but he admitted in interviews, look, Dylan, of course, has the final word, mm. which is why Dignity didn't make it on uh, Oh Mercy and Series of Dreams didn't make it on Oh Mercy. So I would imagine Dylan was the one who said, no, 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 we're going to go with this other version. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, Lanois should have said, Bob, the, the, the verse about wine, women, and song has to be in the song. <laughs> We have to that that is that has to be the acorn that will grow a mighty oak to quote Ed Wood. Uh, every every version of political world should have that verse in it because that verse is is off the charts brilliant off the charts and the fact that it's not in the final the final version really makes me upset at Bob that he couldn't figure out that needed to be in there. That is such a great turn of phrase. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it bothers it, it genuinely bothers me that that's not in the final version. <laughs> it's funny that could have been. I mean, as, again, as much as I love the you know climate of the frame, fi- the fi- the final verse that would have been the perfect final verse. That really yeah. you know that would have they could have had that climate of the frame and then followed up with that, and that would have been the closer. That would have just been yeah. the absolutely perfect closer. Because yeah, you're right, that's 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 a good as you say, that's a perfect turn of phrase. Yeah, without you know without the ability to express your feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's through song or anything else, but without the ability to do that, you wouldn't last long. You can live without wine, you can live without women or yep. men, in the case may be. Right. But without the without an ability to express who you are, you won't last long. That nope. is, I just I'm like that. Just Bob, damn, it, that needed to be on the album. It just bothers me so much. But you know, it is what it is. I am curious as to why this version isn't on Telltale Signs. I think I it's agree. a terrific version. I don't know why it didn't make it on. Hopefully, someday they'll 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 dig it out of the vaults and put it on because it, it deserves uh, an official airing. The version mm-hmm. I have is a is a bootleg. It doesn't sound particularly great, but I'm glad I have it. Yeah, exactly. Because it's it's great to as an insight as to the working processes of of the O Mercy album. Now, that's the one thing. I, one of the things I love about the bootleg series, which is mind blowing that they've gotten as far along as they have, is is a process. That's one of the things I'm sorry to segue. That is, that's one of the things I love about Bob is that no song is ever finished or no song is ever set. You know, I might you know, 
I might sing it this way in 66, but I'm going to sing it this way in 76. You know, I'm just going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to change. I love how he just changes his arrangements and whatnot. You know, you think about Hard Rain's going to fall, the original, and then you've got the Rolling Thunder version of Hard Rain's going to yep. fall, which is just rollicking. You know, it's just, you know, they're just rollicking along kind of thing. And it's just, I, that's, that's what I love about the bootleg series. And I, I agree. I hope that they will go back to the well, to that one, to, to sort of that, that period of time of O Mercy and his resurgence, you know, and, and maybe just pick and choose a few more like that one and, and put that into a, like a new bootleg. Yeah. I'm, I am kind of curious. Cause I mean, if you look at the, the, this alternate version of political world and then you look at the version that was on the album, the, the version on the album is just shorter and it's the same thing with the alternate version of Everything is Broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just wanted – I guess they felt they needed to trim the album a little, which is weird. I don't think the album is overly long. Right. Um, so I don't know what – I would again, I would love to know what the decisions were behind that. But nevertheless, the, the version that's on the album is great. It, it, it's a great way to open the album. It's, again, it's got this sort of dark boogie to it, which mm-hmm. is good. You know, it's, it's fun to listen to. It's fun to sing along to even though, it again, it's incredibly dark. Um, Dylan himself, like I said, he, he – Dropped it from the repertoire in 1991, and it's probably just going to stay there. But you never know. Uh, True. You know, I mean, I mean, geez, I, just last episode I talked about how Bob is singing "When I Paint My Masterpiece Again." That's a song I never thought he'd exhume. Yeah, and and yet he did. So you know, who knows? Maybe one guy in the band one day will say, "Hey, Bob, why don't we do Political World?" And we'll try that. You know, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think overall of "Oh Mercy" as an album? Like, where does it? Do you listen to it a lot? Do you listen to some of the songs from it? I got to admit, I don't listen to it near as much as the others. Um, it's a good album i like it and i like lenoir i like his work um but i find that i don't listen to his more recent stuff near as much mm. as i do the, the the classic stuff it's just mm. i don't know why and i feel a little ashamed of it to a certain degree because i kind of want to be a little bit more of a broad bob fan and it's the same problem i had with bowie i tend to listen to sandy stuff when it comes to bowie i don't really mm. listen to later stuff um but you know as as an overall album though it's great in that you're right he sounds happy Maybe, well, no, no, maybe that's a little bit. That's a little broad. He almost necessarily sounds happy, but he sounds alive. You know, more yes. than he did. Oh, yes. More than he did, like you say, in Empire Burlesque or Knocked Out Loaded, where it was yep. just kind of like, I'm just trying to make a buck. I'm, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. You know, hey, am I really a Christian? Am I really doing all that jazz? And is that really working out for me? You know, I'm like, eh, just going through the motions. And then, like you say, hanging out again, hanging out with Harrison and Petty and Jeff Lynn. God bless Jeff Lynn. Um, and, and Roy Orbison. You know, it's just, I think that really did. It's like, oh, yeah, I guess it is kind of fun to get out there and, and do it, do the just do do the job. This job, but yeah, but it's a fun job kind of thing. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. He realized. I think he you know realized that he he's, he has these skills. He has these powers, and, mm-hmm. and when they're fully utilized, and luckily, I said Lanois was a receptive audience, and they worked well together. And of course, for whatever, however contentious their relationship must have been, obviously. Uh, it was good enough for Lanois to come back nine years late, eight years later, and work on him with Time Out of Mind to True. even greater success. True. So, uh, and then I've read about how uh, Bob will play material that he's recorded for Lanois just privately, and we'll ask him like his thoughts on it. Wow. Um, yeah, I know. Imagine like imagine that. Oh, like what are you doing today, Dan? Uh, Bob's coming over. He's going to play me some new songs. Like, <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine living that life. Like that's crazy. Lucky but, rascal. Uh, yeah. You. Oh man. You ain't kidding. <laughs> Uh, I think if I was somebody who was like a Dylan upset me, if I was, what am I saying? Uh, if, if I was somebody, if I was like an AJ Weberman who was like following Dylan around, I would just follow Lenoir around yeah. and then be like, well, all right, if Lenoir's, if I see a car pull up in Malibu, then we know it's 
calling Bob visiting. It's Bob. Um, it's Bob. Bob's there. Yeah, I, I think I think the O Mercy album is terrific. I love the cover art. It's one of my favorite Dylan sleeves of all time. Just the painting uh-huh. of those two P that street art. I think that's great. So it's it's a terrific album. It's a terrific song. I love that there's a video for it. Bob Bob's videos are all almost always interesting. There mm-hmm. should be more Bob Dylan videos. So I'm glad it exists. So like I said, it's a great song. It's a great way to lead off the album. It sets the tone. It and, does. Uh, you know, again, just the fact that he's never returned to it doesn't really matter too much. It exists at least you know in recorded form. It's it's a great tune, and I'm I'm glad that this was one of the ones you wanted to talk about. No, me too. I'd like I said when you when you offered, and and, and I, I can't remember what the other one I said was, but it was just. Um, yeah, that was just because I felt like I also feel like it's not one that comes up as often. You know? Right, right. And and so I figured, well, yeah, I could, you know, that would this one might work because because most people just don't go to it. You know, it's not it's yeah. not it's not one of those it's I guess not necessarily one of those watershed kind of you know Dylan songs, but but it's just so. Pardon my French. It's just so damn good. You know, good. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. That's a, a pretty mod language that comes around here. I'm trying. So, uh, well, this is great, Lee. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. It's been fun talking to you on Twitter. Where can What's your Twitter handle so people can find you there? My Twitter handle is my name, uh, Lee Asif, L-E-E-A-S-S-E-F. It, it should pop up as Lee Asif at, and it should be uh, that brown coat. You know, it should be the, what does the, that mean? What does that brown coat mean? Uh, okay. Um, there's a television show that used to be on called Firefly. Oh, it's a Firefly reference. It's a Firefly okay. reference. It right. is. It is. I, I'm a Josh Your Queen. avatar is Hellboy, and so I'm like, is there a connection there? I don't really feel no, they're totally opposing each other because I like a, my avatar is Hellboy. The background is 2001: Space Odyssey. I might handle is is, is a Firefly reference. So it's, I'm just kind of all over the place. All over the place. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. All right. Well, again, this was great. Thank you so much for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. It's been this was great. I had a blast. All right. Of course, everybody, if you want to listen to back episodes of the show, go to the website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com, and there you can leave comments. And we're always talking Bob Dylan over on Twitter, which is at pod underscore Dylan. Um, Before I sign off, there is just one thing I wanted to mention uh, in that this is the last episode of Pod Dylan before the midterm elections. Uh, we didn't plan it that way, uh, to talking about a political world uh, just before the election just sort of worked out. Mm-hmm. And I, I was sort of toying about whether to say anything about this or not because I always chafe a little at people uh, admonishing others to vote because it always feels a little um, – Forced. Forced but egocentric too. You yeah, know, it's like yeah. – uh, it's kind of like, oh, I wasn't thinking of voting until some jamoke on a podcast told me to. <laughs> I guess I will. That feels a little – just feels weird to me. But I do want to say this. I think anyone who's listening to this show yeah, – obviously you're a fan of Bob Dylan if you listen to the show. Why else are you listening? And I think one of the hallmarks of Bob Dylan, uh, him as a musician and him as a person, uh, him as a performing artist – is that he cares. He cares. He cares about people. He cares about our common humanity. He cares about communicating ideas to people. And they may not always be the ideas that you agree with or or people who are listening agree with. I've certainly uh, expressed my political opinions on the Twitter uh, page uh, to much to some people's chagrin, but too bad. But he cares. But he cares. Bob Dylan cares. And this is... I would say inarguably the most important election in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I think there are way too many people out there who just don't care enough to participate. And that is something that is deeply troubling. And I think that if you listen to Bob Dylan and you try and get anything out of it, 
the number one like lesson would be you, you should care. You should care about your fellow people. And so I'm hoping everyone that listens to this that can vote does so. And again, you know, everyone knows at this point where I stand politically, but I'm not even talking about I think you should vote for a particular person or idea. I'm just saying just participate. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that you could watch what's gone on in this country the last couple of years and then just say, I don't care enough to even bother to show up is staggering to me. And so I hope everybody that's listening to this, if you can vote, do it. Absolutely go out and do it. Um, I think that's what Bob would want. So <laughs> I think you're right. I do too. I do. It, it, you're right. Every, I agree with exactly what Rob's saying. Get out there and yeah. vote. You know, go out there. It, go out there and vote, yeah, everybody. If you, yeah, if you're not happy with the way it is, then do something about it. Right. And even if you are happy with the way things are, you then, should vote for that too. Because that's true. Uh, I got to tell you, uh, if you're happy with the way things are, you don't want the rest of us to vote <laughs> because <laughs> we're going to change it big time. Oh yeah. So you know, it's that's the kind of thing. I just. I'm more bothered by people that throw their hands up and yeah. just say, ah, it's not worth doing. That's to me, you are shirking your responsibility to your, your fellow citizens, your fellow people on the planet and your fellow animals, by the way, too. They're yeah. in this, uh, their, their butts are in this too. So uh, please everybody go out and vote, do your part and uh, cast a ballot uh, on uh, November 6th. I hope I got that day right. So uh, I, think <laughs> <laughs> I think I did. So everybody, thanks everybody for listening. Thanks uh, again for all the kind words. I've been getting lots of emails from people about the show, and I really appreciate it. So uh, we will uh, see everybody later. Uh, bye. Without the first two, boy, without the third, you wouldn't last long.